Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Amen, amen. Amen. I'm fully known. Amen. There's nothing hidden about my life that God doesn't know and he still loves me. And this is, this is what encouraged me as we, we enter into Thanksgiving, into Thanksgiving week. That there, there's nothing that the devil could ever whisper in God's ear that would cause him to think differently about me. Nothing I do, nothing the devil says could cause God to think any differently about me. He knows me in my darkest moments and he still loves me. We're going to talk today about having an attitude of gratitude, a heart of gratitude, or a heart of thanksgiving. And if nothing else makes you shout, just ponder the goodness of God. If nothing else gets you excited, just think about the reality that you once were lost, but now you're found. You didn't have a GPS to find your way. Jesus found you. I once was blind, but now I see. So I hope that you're excited about Thanksgiving week uh, we get to hang out. We get to fellowship. We have to get some, we, we, we get to get together and eat. I, I, I like cooking and I, I tell people that Thanksgiving is about eating. It's about food, fellowship, and football. People are like, Mark, no, it's not. Thanksgiving is about giving thanks to God for your blessings. I'm like, no, Thanksgiving is about food, fellowship, and football. Okay? I, 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 I don't cook normally the other two 51 weeks of the year like I cook Thanksgiving week back is hurting, feet hurt. Come on, you guys know if you've ever cleaned some greens and made some stuffing, you know what I'm talking about, right? So I, I usually don't have that many people over my house like I'll have for Thanksgiving. So for me, Thanksgiving's about food, fellowship, and football. Now, should you give thanks? Absolutely. But here's my argument. If you wait till the third week of November to thank God for your blessings, you are totally missing the point. Every day, come on, somebody, every day, we're supposed to give thanks to God. So I'm not waiting till the third week of November. I'm going to thank God every day for what he's done so that when I get to this week, I can cook and we can fellowship and we can watch some football. Amen. Come on. I need you to say this with me. Say it like you mean it. This is the day. Okay. No, wait, wait, wait. Say it like you mean it. Come on. Here we go. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be thankful. Come on, say it again. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be thankful. Come on, I just gave you your morning prayer for the rest of the week. That's what before your feet hit the bed. Come on, I mean hit the floor in the morning. That's your prayer right there. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be thankful. So I'm excited to be able to continue on in our series on gratitude. Before we were so gloriously interrupted by Pastor Carl last week. I guess it wasn't really an interruption, but um, I'm like, man, I got to preach after that. Come on. So y'all pray for me. I ain't, I ain't scared. I'm going to get out the way and let God do what he wants to do. But uh, just kind of catching up with what Pastor Chris had shared a couple weeks ago. He made a couple statements that I just want to remind you of. It's possible they'll be on the screen, but he said that wonder, come on, wonder is the engine of gratitude. Wonder is the engine of gratitude and gratitude is the engine of generosity. And so that thank you, that life of gratitude, not just in your words, but in your actions, that's really the foundation of the Christian life. Come on, as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as one who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, gratitude should mark how you live. It should be the foundation of your life. 
I love this. Nobody really pays attention to the foundation of a building because generally you can't see it, but it's the most important part of the building. No skyscraper goes really high unless it's got a solid foundation. If you're from the Bay Area in San Francisco, you know they have this building called the Millennium Towers. And the Millennium Towers is like the tallest building in San Francisco. But the problem is they got to like, they can't let anybody live like on the, I don't know, the 50th floor up or whatever it happens to be. Because the building over the last four years, five years, has tilted at least 15 feet. So you know they live in a volatile area as far as the land is concerned and, and earthquakes, so they can't let people live there. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. These people spent all this money to live in this high-rise fancy building, and they can't live in there because the foundation is shaking. It's faulty. Don't let that be our testimony as believers. Amen. Let's have a foundation of thanksgiving built on the word, built on our praise, and built on prayer. But I think personally that it really should be the foundation of our life or the fragrance of our life. Gratitude should be the fragrance of a Christian's life. How many of you like the smell of bacon? Just raise your hand. Some of you guys need Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Most people do not, even if you don't eat bacon, you like the smell of bacon. There's a fragrance. You don't like the smell of kale and the smell of spinach and the smell of broccoli. Come on. Nobody ever has been like, that's so divine. No, you have not. The aroma of bacon draws me to the kitchen. It does. But just like the aroma of bacon draws me to the kitchen, I believe that the aroma from the fruitfulness or the thankfulness and the gratitude of the life of a Christian should draw the world, come on, to God. People should be able to sense, they should be able to smell the goodness of God in your life and want to glorify your Father who's in heaven. That should mark us as believers, a fragrance of gratitude coming from our life. Pastor Chris said that gratitude is transformative because it turns into generosity and that generosity has the power to transform the political and the social environment around us, the fabric of our society. He also talked about how there was a spectrum. If you remember, he talked about how there's a spectrum of wow. And he uh, kind of gave you the example of him camp camping and Quincy was like, oh, this is great. He was like, we almost died, right? And so it was crazy. But when Pastor Carl was here last week, he's like, oh, I'm 40 years old and so I, I don't do roller coasters. I was like, wimp. I love roller coasters. Roller coasters get me excited. My wife loves Disney World. You want to bless her? Take her to Disney World. But she loves it. Disney World for me is walking and eating, but I like it. It's fun. But it doesn't get me as excited as it gets her. But because she's excited, I'm excited. But those things, they, they, they wow us. Here's my wonder. Now, you might not like roller coasters. You're like, oh, they make me dizzy. You can take Dramamine for that and still enjoy the roller coaster. Okay. But there is a wow, there is a wonder. It might not be roller coasters for you. It might not be Disney World. It might be, I don't know, Marshall working out or something like that. But, but this, is, this, is, this is what I think. As believers, when we think about the goodness of God, when we think about the grace of God, when we think about the mercy of God, when we think about the reality that we once were lost, but now we're found, we're blind, but now we see. When you think about those things, that ought to cause you to have an attitude of wonder. Like, man, Lord, why would you love me like that? Why would you bless me like that? If you need a spectrum of while, if we have something where we can all get on the same level, it's thinking about the goodness of God. Come on, we thought, we all, my sports team, they're awesome. Your sports team is not awesome. Because awesome implies that it's full of awe. Ain't nobody full of awe like the God I serve. Come on, no, this thing, that's wonderful. That implies that it's full of wonder. 
There's nobody full of wonder like the God that we serve. Come on, that, that, that was so amazing. <laughs> Ain't nobody amazing like the God that we serve. So when you use the words, I'm not picking on you, but understand what you're saying. God, you're full of awe. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You're full of wonder. You're amazing. You're full. Your, your, your love amazes me. Think about those things and let that be how you connect to God. So gratitude, as Pastor Chris said, and Pastor Ken just reiterated, gratitude is always connected to a gift or an action. And God's gifts, I want you to know, they exceed our salvation. Some of you think, well, if I just, if I just you know, accept Jesus Christ, I'll be saved and I'll go to heaven. There's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much more. I want to read a scripture to you, and I got a lot of scripture. I'm sorry, you're like, man, he's reading a lot of scripture. That's really all I got. I mean, I got nothing else that's going to do it for you, right? That's all I got. But, but David, he writes in Psalm 103, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. I want to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. You can follow along if it's up there. It says, With my whole heart and with my whole life and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness that you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. You healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell and you saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things and you've supercharged my life so that I will soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. You're a God who makes things right, giving justice to the defenseless. You unveiled to Moses your plans, and you showed Israel's sons what you could do. Lord, you are so kind-hearted to those who don't deserve it and so patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. My goodness. Come on. Imagine the waters exceeding the banks where they're supposed to be. That's a flood in a bad way but not with God's love and kindness. That's a flood in a good way. You don't look at us only to find our faults just so that you can hold a grudge against us. You may discipline us for our many sins, but never as much as we really deserve, nor do you get even with us for what we've done. Higher than the highest heavens, that's how high your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of heaven above is the greatness of your loyal love, towering over all who fear you and bow down before you. Farther than from a sunrise to a sunset, that's how far you've removed our guilt from us. The same way a loving father feels towards his children, that's but a sample of your tender feelings towards us, your beloved children who live in awe of you. You know all about us inside and out. You are mindful that we're made from dust. Our days are so few and our momentary beauty so swiftly fades away. Then all of a sudden we're gone, like grass clippings blown away in the gust of wind, taken away to our appointment with death, leaving nothing to show that we were here. But Lord, watch this. Your endless love stretches from one eternity to the other, unbroken and unrelenting towards those who fear you and those who bow face down in awe before you. Your faithfulness to keep every gracious promise you've made passes from parents to children to grandchildren and beyond. You are faithful to all those who follow your ways and keep your word. I will bless and praise you, he finishes. I will bless and praise the Lord with my whole heart. Let all his works throughout the earth, whenever his dominion, wherever his dominion stretches, let everything bless the Lord. Come on, if this reality of who God is and what he's done for us doesn't cause some type of excitement in our spirits, I don't know what to say. There's a song that says, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, 
how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he saved me to the, or healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up, turned me around, set my feet on solid ground. It says it makes me want to shout, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory. So, Lord, for your grace, we're grateful. For your mercy, we're grateful. For your loving kindness, we're grateful. God, I thank you that you woke us up this morning and you clothed us in our right minds. We knew to acknowledge you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And whatever the day held, Heavenly Father, we knew in our hearts and in our spirits that you hold the day, Heavenly Father. So we're not afraid, we're not worried, we're not concerned, Heavenly Father. But we believe, God, that you will have your way in our lives, Heavenly Father. And so we thank you for this opportunity that we can come together as the people of God, Heavenly Father. And I pray, Lord, help me to get out of the way so that you can do what you want to do, say what you want to say, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, give us ears to hear in this place today, a heart to receive, a mind to understand, and then a faith and a boldness to walk out whatever it is that you say this morning lord we love you we bless you we honor you and we praise you and we thank you in jesus name and all god's children said amen Amen. come on give god some praise one more time come on it makes me want to shout got a couple statements it says true gratitude is uncontainable and it always results in a response true gratitude is uncontainable and it always results in a response. If you're really thankful, if you're really grateful for something, whatever it happens to to be, it always results in a response. Somebody gave you a big old check and you needed some money, you wouldn't just be quiet. You'd say something. Come on, if somebody blessed you and did something for you, ooh, I got an all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii for you and all 12 of your family members. Reference the Kings, the Martinez's. The, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, yeah. So anyway, it, true, true, true gratitude always results in a response. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And I love this. David lived a life of gratitude like few others in the Bible. You can go in the Bible from beginning to end and you won't find as many people who lived a life of gratitude like David lived. And before we get into some more examples of how David lives like a man after God's own heart, I I, I want you to think about this. What if that was God's testimony about you? In Keegan, I found a man after my own heart. And Tracy, I found a woman after my own heart. David didn't make up that statement, that phrase on his own. That was something God said about him. He didn't go get a t-shirt and say, I'm a man after God's own heart. He didn't make a hat. I'm a man after God's own heart. I'm pretty sure the license plate on his chariot did not say, a man after God's own heart. Of course, that would have been more than seven characters, Hebrew. I don't know. (laughs) David didn't make that up about himself. That's what God said about him. Oh, that that would be the testimony of my life, that in Mark, I found a man after my own heart. Now, you know David wasn't perfect. David made a lot of mistakes. So it wasn't him doing everything right and perfect that caused God to say that about him. I believe it was a heart of gratitude, him understanding who God was and praising him accordingly. And this morning, as we, before we get into talking more a little bit about David and his life and using his life as an example, I want to talk about one of the most commonly tolerated sins, maybe, among those professing to know Jesus. I think it's a pretty serious issue, and yet I think we encounter it so much that we've grown dull to it, and, and we become so comfortable with it, we kind of excuse it and we shrug it off as it's, it's really no big deal. But what I want to talk about is the sin of ingratitude. The sin of ingratitude. 
Ingratitude is the antithesis of gratitude. The sin of ingratitude. Now, it may show up in a whole bunch of different ways. It may show up in the form of self-pity or uh, selfishness or, or grumbling or complaining. It might show up in depression or anger or defiance and, or disobedience. But we could argue that all of these things, the self-pity, the, the defiance, we could argue that those things are actually the fruit of a heart of ingratitude. It might show itself in a certain behavior, but where it really starts is not being grateful in your heart. Ingratitude, I believe, is a characteristic of those who are in rebellion against God. Ingratitude is a characteristic of those who are in rebellion against God. It was because of sniveling and complaining and grumbling and murmuring that the children of God, the children of Israel, didn't get to enter into the promise that God had for them. They were stuck in the desert because they were complaining, because they were sniveling, because they were murmuring. That's not what kept them out of the promised land. Okay, this is what the Bible says. Psalm 95, 8, it says, Do not burden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It's a people who go astray in their hearts. They go astray in their hearts. And they do not know my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall never enter into my rest. In the New Testament, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, it says, we must be careful not to stir up discontent, for discontent, it destroyed them. We must be careful not to stir up discontent. It will destroy you. Bless the Lord that he's merciful. Bless the Lord that he's gracious. Bless the Lord that he loves me and he paid the cost for me to go to heaven and for me to participate in everything that he has for me. But I really think this, I think that your ingratitude and your complaining, our ingratitude and our complaining, though it might not keep us out of heaven, it will keep us from the manifest promises of God in our life. Heaven is not the issue. I want to experience what God wants me to experience in the here and now. But your ingratitude, your unthankfulness can prevent you from experiencing all of those things. And then we fool ourselves into thinking that God is not good. Watch in Romans chapter 1 in Paul's treatment, Pastor Paul, as Tracy calls him, his treatment of human depravity, he says that ingratitude, ingratitude is one of those sins which plunged the people into further sin. It started with ingratitude and then it became all of these perversion things and, and everything. And we'll read the scripture, but it says in verse 21, for even though they knew God, they knew him, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Hmm. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts, and it just kept spiraling out of control, out of control. In, uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we have this commandment. It's not a suggestion. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, when I feel like it, I'll do it. That's not what, it's not a suggestion. Well, if you feel like giving thanks, give thanks. He says, no, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In Colossians 1.12, it says that we should give joyful thanks. It says, in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So this is what I believe our lives should look like. A, joy, a spirit of joyous, continual thankfulness ought to characterize us as Christians. A spirit of joyous, continual thankfulness ought to characterize us as Christians. Pastor Carl, like last week, talked about, he's like, oh, they know what we, what we're, what we don't like. They know what Christians are, 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 don't like. 
but do they know what we like? A spirit of joyous, continual thankfulness ought to characterize us as Christians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is telling the people, he's like, yeah, you used to be adulterers, you used to be fornicators, you used to be liars, you used to be thieves, you used to have all these different perversions. But he says, watch this. In, in verse 6, 11, it says, but you were washed. Somebody say, were. You were washed. You were sanctified. Say, were. Were. It says, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but that ought to get you excited. I was washed. It's a done deal. It's in a past tense, a past narrative. I don't have to do anything. And this is what I, so Pastor Chris and Pastor Kelly, those two twins will not contribute anything to the household for at least five years. That's being generous because they're going to be anointed and spiritual. And so, but, but they're not going to contribute anything. But for the life of me, I can't imagine that Pastor Chris and Kelly are waiting to love some future version of those twin boys. They love them now. You know he don't like changing diapers, but he still loves those boys. That, if I understand that God loves me, even though I don't get it right all the time, makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. I'm giving you the, the Thornton paraphrase, paraphrase version. It says, our beef with God has been squashed because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's the Thornton version. They're like, that's not the Bible. It says you, you've been justified. You, you can read it, but that's the Thornton version. We'll go with that one for a minute. But here's what I want you to catch. Here's the statement. You're going to hold on to this because today I want to talk about Thanksgiving versus Thanksgiving. If Thanksgiving is the root, then Thanksgiving will be the fruit. That makes sense? If Thanksgiving, a heart of Thanksgiving is the root, then Thanksgiving will be the fruit. But here's a statement. You can't even argue with me, right? But you, you need to catch this. You can't complain and be grateful at the same time. It's not possible. You can't complain and be grateful at the same time. Come on, you can't complain and be grateful at the same time. The Bible says, can fresh water and salt water come out of the same spring? Absolutely not. You can't be grateful and complain at the same time. And true gratitude, the Bible says, comes from the heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, from the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't be grateful and complain at the same time. So here's my translation of the scripture. The words that are flowing out of your mouth, along with the fruit of your life, is the true outpouring of the condition of your heart. The words that are flowing out of your mouth, what's your speech like? And the fruit of your life is the true outpouring of the condition of your heart. So if I want to know what my heart really is like, I listen to the words coming out of my mouth. If I want to know what my heart is really like, I look at the fruit that's being bared from my life. Because there's fruit being bared, whether it's negative fruit or positive fruit, there's some type of fruit coming from what you believe in your heart. You can't complain and be grateful at the same time. And if you don't have a heart of thanksgiving, then you won't live a life of thanks living. Does that make sense? If you don't have a heart of thanksgiving, you will not live a life of thanks living. That's why I believe David Prairie, he said, he says, Lord, let the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart, the thoughts of my heart be acceptable to you, my God, my rock, the one who saves me. 
Let the words of my mouth. Pastor Carl kind of alluded to it last week when he told the story about uh, picking up the homeless man and taking him into church, and the homeless man needed a beer, and that's what it took to get him into church. So he's on the front row with him, and the next week the lady came. If you weren't here, the next week the lady came. She said, I'm leaving the church. Da, 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 da. I can smell his sin. And he's like, I can smell your pride. She had forgot the extent of the grace which had been lavished on her life. How far has God brought you? I think that when we complain, we forget what God has brought us through. We forget that, yeah, I once was lost, but now I'm found, not because of any effort of my own, but because Jesus loves me like that. It's impossible for you not to lavish the love of God on somebody else freely, and it's been freely lavished on you. When gratitude becomes the basis and the foundation of our life, this is what I believe. It shapes the way that you live. And it does that in a good way. When gratitude becomes the basis and the foundation of your life, it shapes the way that you live. And when it shapes the way that you live, it affects others. The Bible says, let your light so shine among men. Is that what not it says? That's not, not what it says in Matthew 5. So when gratitude becomes the basis and the foundation of your life, it shapes the way that you live in a good way. And when it shapes the way that you live, it affects others. So let your light shine. And when it affects others in a good way, it glorifies God. And when God is glorified, then we're doing what we've been called to do. When God is glorified, if gratitude be the root, then generosity will be the fruit. And that's thanks living. Think about this. In, all, in light of all that God has done, I don't know what your story is. I know what my story is. You don't even have time for that. In light of all that God has done, his mercy and his grace and his loving kindness and his blessings and his provision, his peace, his presence. In light of all that God has done, what other proper response is there than to live a life of gratitude? In light of all that God has done, you should just ponder and think about you back then. In light of all that God has done, what other proper response is there? to give him praise and to bless his name and to be grateful. I mentioned the verse before, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So Mark, in bad times, yep, that's part of everything. Oh, my dog died. Yeah, bless the Lord. Like, you don't have a dog. I got Jesus. I got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. In everything, give thanks. I'm broke, I can't pay my bills, I ain't got no food, da-da-da, whatever all those things are. If that's your situation today, you don't have to stay in that particular place because God is a God of provision, Jehovah Jireh. But the Bible says in everything, give thanks. For me, thanking God in everything, whether it's good or bad, this, this is just for me. This doesn't have to be your testimony. But for me, when I do it, what I'm doing is I'm acknowledging that God is in control. If God allowed this thing to show up on my doorstep to knock on my front door, then he must is going to do something good either in it or through it. So I might as well just thank God and say, Lord, thank you. I know it doesn't look good right now. I know it doesn't feel good right now. But you said in everything, give thanks. I have to believe that God is going to handle it if he allowed it to knock on my front door. Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has 
plans for us, right? Plans, good plans, plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Those plans were ours before we were born. If I go back and actually look at the word, so they're not my plans, they're God's plans. I get to participate in them. So then I go all the way to Romans 8, 28, and Paul is saying, hey, all of this stuff is going to work together for the good. Now, I don't want you to misinterpret the scripture, and I don't want you to mishear me. It didn't say that everything is going to be good. And then some of you want to personalize, well, I know God is working everything together for my good. It's not about you. The plans weren't about you. You didn't make the plans. God made the plans. So when God is working everything together for the good, they're for the good of his plans being manifest in your life. And his plans are good plans, so you might as well just get excited about it. Come on. He works everything together for his good according to those who love him and been called according to his purpose. Come on, so, so, so we make the statement, old school church, so we say, we say, God is good? And all the time? Come on, God is good? And all the time? So when Paul said he's working everything together for the good, you have to imagine, or take, put, put this, this imagery, he's probably in jail. I can imagine shackled in like a Corinthian jail, Roman jail. That, that wasn't Ada County jail. That was, that was nasty. In chains. Looking at his partner, hey, God is good all the time, all the time. Paul, shut up. We in jail, locked up. I'm not really feeling like God is good, but the reality is, is that God is good all the time. Come on. And all the time, God is good. He will ultimately work it out if we're trusting him. But here's my definition for attitude of gratitude. Now, hopefully it's on the, on the screen up there. It says, since God is good, then this bad circumstance must be meant to bring about some further good in or through my life or else God would not have allowed it. Since God is good, then this bad circumstance must be meant to bring about some further good in and through my life or else God wouldn't have allowed it. So I have this, if you've been around me, you know, through men's class or uh, whatever worship team, I have this statement in response to things when they don't go my way. It's simply, bless God, amen. Ah, bad news. Bless God. Amen. Why are you blessing God? Amen. Well, because the alternative would be to complain, and complaining does not move the meter one bit. So bless God. Amen. Something happens this week. Bless God. Amen. That has gotten me into the habit of thanking God in any and every situation. Well, you don't really mean it. You're just saying it. No, I said it, and I meant it. Because the alternative is not pretty. Look, I, I, I believe this. If, if you're a cusser, quit cussing, okay? I deal with football players and the teams and things like that. But this is what I've learned. Complaining or cussing does not move the meter one bit. It, it doesn't move it at all. But your praise, come on. Your worship, come on. Your thanksgiving, oh, that'll get the ball rolling, baby. Complaining does not move the meter. Complaining actually stifles you from experiencing what God has for you. But gratitude, come on, gratitude opens doors like nothing else could open doors. King David, a man after God's own heart. And I, I want to show you, I want to give you a scripture. Like I said, I got a scripture, and so you'll have to track with me. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you know, David was the king, right? And God had told David to rout all the armies of Israel, and he gave him favor. And, and David was a man after God's own heart and all those things. But th this was a response to a dream that he had, something that he wanted to do. So if it's on the screen, you can follow along. But in, first, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it says, After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him. So 
David was out there beasting out, doing what God called him to do. And apparently there was no more armies to fight at this particular time. So God was like, chill, man, sit in your recliner, take a break. It's all good, right? And so he's there resting. And he said to Nathan, the prophet, he says, man, here I am living in a house of cedar while the Lord is living in a tent. And Nathan replied, oh, David, I know how you think, bro. I know how you think. You know, you got good thoughts. You love the Lord. You're a man after his own heart. He says, look, David, whatever you intend to do, whatever you purpose to do, read it. He says, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David that this is what the Lord says. Are you going to build me a house? Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day that I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. And I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved, all of the Israelites, did I ever say to any one of the rulers who I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and will no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning. And I've done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I'll punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love, watch this, my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, who I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And Nathan reported to David all the words of his entire revelation. Now, David intended to build God a house. That's what he was pondering. That's what he was thinking. You think that's a good thing. And Nathan hears from God, and God told David, no. Now, I can just imagine while, while, while Nathan's telling David, he's like, smile, really? He's going to build my house forever? He's like, my name is going to be great, and it's going to last forever, and da-da-da-da-da. And he's like, yeah, but you ain't building a house. Now, some of us would have complained. Some of us would have started reminding God what we did for the kingdom, <laughs> like we really did something. But this is David's response. Watch this. When David heard a no, this is his response. Verse 18 says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Now, now that's something to me all in and of itself, and Pastor Ken will have to teach us a little bit more. But if you look throughout Scripture, I don't see too many people sitting to pray. They stood they bowed, they kneeled, they lay prostrate, but nobody sat. And in my mind, probably because the worshiper that's in me and the person of gratitude that I strive to be, I think he went and sat down on the piano and started playing. When I think about the Lord. I don't, he didn't sing that song, but so this is what he said. Who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of this house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. 
What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and you made it known to your servant. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no God like you and there's no God but you. And as we have heard with our own ears, and who is like your people Israel, the one nation on the earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established Establish your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise that you made concerning your servant in this house. Do as promised so that your name will be great. He's like, Lord, keep your promise so that your name will be great. He just got to know. And this is his response. Then the people will say, the Lord Almighty is the God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. So sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy. And you have promised these good things to your servant. Now, be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, sovereign Lord, have spoken it. And with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Wow. What's your response to no? What's your response to not yet? Is it gratitude? Is it a prayer, praying that God's will would be done and that God would be glorified? The fruit of our life as Christians should be a fragrance so that the world knows that God is who he says he is and God will do what he says he will do. And you can't complain and be grateful at the same time. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, not to boast, I've learned to be thankful in what seems like little things. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. I'm singing a song, God shows up, I thank God, I go thank the worship team. I finished preaching, I sat down there and prayed, and I'm like, God, thank you, because it wasn't me, it was all God. But I'm thankful for, like, parking spots. So I'll kid you not, and Mike and a couple of you guys work at Costco, I will pray for a front row parking spot. And I'll get a front row parking spot. And I expect a front row parking spot because I prayed. Then on a Saturday, busiest time, I will be like, Lord, you know I need to get through the line. So if you could just move me through and I get in and get out. If you think I'm lying, you ask my wife. She will validate everything that I'm saying. I think it's because I'm grateful and I think it's because I'm expecting God to respond to his word. He says he's mindful of everything. He's concerned about everything. How about this? I'll be driving and you know how the light patterns go. And I'll be driving. I'll be like, oh, I need to catch this light. And it's a, it should have turned yellow, Right? I have living for him on my license plate now, so I can't run a yellow light. <laughs> there goes one of those Christians, right? Can't speed. That's how I hold myself accountable. Okay. So, so, but I, I'll expect the light. I'll be like, Lord, let me catch this light. And it stays green. And before I go through the intersection, I'm like, Lord, thank you. That wasn't the Lord. That was Ada County Highway District. No, that was not the Ada County Highway District. That was God blessing his servant. I'm thankful in every little thing, and I believe this. My, grateful new, my gratefulness or my gratitude in the small things open doors for greater things. There's a favor that I believe that I get to walk in and a favor that I believe you can walk in if you have a heart of gratitude, if you live a life of thanks living. 
The Bible in Proverbs said a man's gift will make room for him. What will your gratitude do for you? What will having a heart of thanksgiving, what will it open you up to? What will expose you? Come on, the one thing that you can do is say thank you to somebody. It's like they were starving for a drink of water and you just came them and gave them a tall glass of ice cold water because nobody said thank you. Because nobody said I appreciate you. You can't make it up. Your heart has to be transformed. You have to understand who God is and what God has done and then you have to be thankful for those things. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Pastor Ken read it during offering. I love the message version of this. It says, enter with the password, thank you. You want to get in? Enter with the password, thank you. Well, we're talking about King David. This is what I love about David. David was a king. He's a fighter. He's a songwriter. He was all these things. But, but God had protocol back in the day. And God's protocol said that only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies. The Holies of Holies is where the presence of God was contain, manifest. David wanted that, but protocol caused him not to be able to get that. So he found another way to get into the presence of God. And it was with a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving. Enter with the password. Thank you. The presence of God opened up to David because of his heart of gratitude. The presence of God will open up to you with a heart of gratitude. So watch this. If thankfulness is the password that gives you access into the presence of God and opens doors for you with men, why wouldn't you purpose to be thankful? If thankfulness is the password that opens the door to God and gives you access to the presence of God and with men and open doors for you, why wouldn't you purpose to be more thankful? He had a heart of gratitude. Enter with the password, thank you. If thankfulness will get you into the presence of God, it will also allow you to experience the promises of God. Because you can't get in the presence of God and not experience the promises of God. Come on. You can't get into the presence of God and not experience the blessings of God. The Bible says that in his presence there is fullness of uh, what you're looking for. It's found in the presence of God. In Acts, the Bible says that times of refreshing come in the presence of God. David writes in Psalm 23, he says, restoration comes in the presence of God. Peace comes in the presence of God. Strength comes in the presence of God. Security comes in the presence of God. Healing comes in the presence of God. Provision comes from the presence of God. All of these things are available to you in the presence of God. And thank you is the password to get you into the presence of God. If a thankful heart is the root then thanks living will be the fruit. So what are the takeaways? What are you supposed to do? I don't know. I don't really go that far. My, my task or my assignment that I feel God gave me for you this morning wasn't so much to tell you what to do or how to do it. It was to expose you to the why you should do it. Why should I be grateful? Because you've been saved. You've been redeemed, you've been healed, you've been delivered, you've been restored. Mark, I haven't experienced it yet. doesn't matter whether you've experienced it yet. You might not have been to Hawaii, but if somebody buys you a trip to Hawaii, you have an expectation all the way until you get off the plane in Hawaii. You didn't wait to experience the islands to be grateful. 
Know that you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb because that's what the Bible says. And purpose, to be excited about it. Purpose to say, Lord, thank you because you know you. Not the why, not the what, but the how come or the why. Not the how, not the what, but the why. You should be thankful because God is that type of God. But if I was to give you some pointers, some steps, number one, I would encourage you to strive to live out 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and everything give thanks every day. Do it daily. I can't do it. There's like 40 days left in 2018. Okay, let's just try it till Thanksgiving Day. In everything, give thanks. Purpose to not let one negative word come out of your mouth. I can't do it. Yes, you can. If you just meditate on God, if you think about his goodness, you won't, all those things won't bother you. And if you need something to say, bless God, amen. I was thinking about this. I was like, oh, what could, what does this look like? I'm thinking, what if you got, a, I was going to get a shirt and it was going to say, uh, ingratitude, no vacancy. That's what you need to tell in gratitude. There is no vacancy in my heart. There is no room for you in gratitude in my heart. There is no room for you in gratitude in my life. Tell in gratitude, no vacancy. It doesn't matter what happens. God is still good. Why should you count it all joy? In the book of James, it says count it all joy, everything, whether it's bad, whether it's good. Be grateful for everything. But if you need a why, the world needs to see the people of God loving and living the way that the Bible says the people of God should love and live. Come on, you have people in your workplace that need to see you respond to the goodness of God with praise. You have people in your workplace or in your school or wherever you're at that need to see you respond in praise and adoration even when something bad happens. The world needs to see that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. Strive to live out this word daily. Put a no vacancy sign to ingratitude on your heart. The world needs to see. You, 1 Peter 2.12 says, live such good lives among the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Like, man, well, why do I have to be that person for them? Because Jesus was that person for you. That's gratitude. He did it for me. I'm going to do it for them because that's what he called me to do. Another, another reason why you need to strive to live out this word is you need to put the devil on notice. You need to resist the devil. That's what the Bible says. Resist the devil and he must flee. Just like the aroma of bacon draws me to the kitchen, the aroma of complaining calls the enemy into your atmosphere. <laughs> Oh, I got him now. They're complaining about the preacher. He went 10 minutes over time. Complaining gives the enemy access into your life. But the Bible says that the devil, the enemy, cannot be where there's praise and where there's worship. If you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, the devil doesn't want to be around for that. But as soon as you start sniveling, here he comes making things worse and taking you further and further and further away from a life of thanks living. And the last thing that I want to encourage you to do is I want you to pray about the one person or the one situation maybe that causes you to complain. You're like, Mark, but we got 12. Okay, pray, just start one at a time. 
Okay, just one at a time. Put them on a piece of paper. Purpose every day to be thankful that God has allowed that person or that God has allowed that situation into your life. Because I told you, if God allowed it to knock on your front door, he's going to do something in it and through it. And if he doesn't change the situation, he'll change you if you live a life of thanks living. Put them on paper. Put them on your refrigerator, unless it's somebody in the house. Just keep it in your notes app on your phone, right? Purpose to pray for them daily and thank God. Lord, I thank you that this person sometimes drives me crazy, but I know that you're going to work it out because you've got good plans for me. Just one person, one situation, and see how God responds to your attitude of gratitude, to you striving to live a life of thanks living. If thanksgiving is the root, then thanks living is the fruit. Come on, you believe that this morning? Come on, let's pray.